Hey, is the microphone on? I know some of you are discouraged now because you can, you can hear me. We want to welcome those worshiping with us online today. Glad that you can hear me too. Glad that all of you are here. We're talking about God's provision today. Now, have you ever been in a situation where God provided for you? You know, if I were to give you the chance, I'm sure every one of you could stand up and give a testimony about how God made a way when there was no way. Well, he did something for you when you couldn't do anything for yourself. You saw the post-it notes we had all over the church for the last few weeks. We did the 21 days of prayer. And boy, wasn't that great? Wasn't that a great experience? Did you enjoy that, 21 days of prayer? That's the most underwhelming response I've ever heard. That was a great time. We had a great time. And if you look back there, hanging on the ceiling back there, you see those post-it notes put together. There's the prayers of so many people who prayed, and they've got that uh, threaded up there on the string right there. Pretty creative idea. I didn't come up with that because I'm not real creative, but I'm glad the creative folks did. Appreciate them doing that today. Now, maybe today you're here and you're a single parent and you're thinking, you know, sometimes I have a little month left at the end of my money. Anybody ever do that? Yeah, that happens sometimes. Or maybe, you know, you're, you have a lot of resources, but somehow it just doesn't seem like that you're having a good way to make ends meet at times. Well, in every story of need in the Bible, there's always a miracle of provision. Throughout the Bible, when God tells us about a need, he'll tell us about how he provided for it. Every time in Scripture, you'll see that. You know, there were thousands of people. They were hungry. Jesus was there with the disciples. What happened? The disciples came up to Jesus and said, how are we going to feed all these folks? And he says, well, you feed them. And they go, wow, we don't know how to feed them. What are you talking about? How are we going to do that? And then there's a little boy that's got some fish and some bread. That's his lunch for the day. And this little fella gives up his lunch so that everybody can eat, right? And what does Jesus do? He takes it and he blesses it. He holds it up to God. And then he takes it and multiplies it. And then they give it out to everybody. And there's so much, there are 12 basketfuls left over. Can you imagine that? Feeding thousands of people off just that one little thing. And there's so much left over. Now, you know, it's the way I think. I apologize in advance. But why did they have 12 basketfuls left over? Anybody know? In my mind, I'm thinking that Jesus said to his disciples, okay, everybody gets a doggy bag, right? They're all taking some home. But really, if the disciples were to take it, they could share it with people, couldn't they? And they could spread out and give it to others who had need. And then there was the Old Testament story of Elisha. And Elisha goes to this lady, and she doesn't have anything. And Elisha's even wanting his needs met. He's a prophet. And he says, what do you have? And she said, I don't have much of anything. All I've got is a small jar of olive oil. And Elisha's the prophet. He says, here's what I want you to do. Take some containers. Take that olive oil that you got, just that little bit, and start pouring it in those containers. And as long as she poured it in the containers, the Bible says that it just kept filling them all up. That little bit was multiplied, and she just kept filling them all up. As long as she had containers, that would be a lesson for us to keep some containers around, won't it? So we can just multiply it and have more there, right? Now, whether it's bread from heaven or meat delivered by the birds, or maybe it's just a giant fish that swallows up a guy named Jonah, you know, there's a way that there's a need and there's a way that God has a provision. There's a story I heard about a single mom, and she didn't have any groceries. And every day she would pray, and she prayed loudly, and she would have her windows up, and her neighbors could hear her praying, Lord, please send me some groceries. 
the neighbors could hear. In fact, there's one guy who lived next door, and he was an atheist. And he just, that woman just aggravated him so much. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to go to the grocery store, and I'm going to fix her. I'm going to mess with this woman. I'm going to get some groceries, and I'm going to put them right there on the front door stoop. And when she comes home, I'm going to hide in the bushes. And she's going to thank God gave her those groceries. And then I'm going to jump out and tell her. So that's what he did. He brought all these groceries. She came home. She started praising God. Oh, this is wonderful. Thank Thank you, Lord. You provided my needs. I knew you would. I prayed and you provided. And he jumped out from behind the bushes. He said, you idiot. God didn't provide those groceries. I provided those groceries. I went to the store and got them. There is no God. And then she really praised God. He was really confused. He said, what are you doing? She said, not only did God provide my groceries, he made the devil pay for them. <laughs> That's just like God, isn't it, to do something like that? Now, in Philippians, Paul gave some great news to the church at Philippi. He said, every good and perfect gift comes from God. God promises to meet our needs, not our wants. You know, there's a difference in your needs and your wants. Look at the person next to you and say, there is a difference in your needs and your wants. Go ahead and tell them that right now. Some of you enjoyed that too much, I can tell, just by looking at you. For example, we all need clothes to wear, but some folks want limited edition Adidas Ultra Boosts, right? Yeah, some of you, I can tell by looking at you, that's what you're wanting right now. What we want is, uh, what we need is rest. What we want is a two-week vacation right over here on the Gulf, right, with the Emerald Coast there. We need a house. What we want is one of those special farmhouses designed by Chip and Joanna Gaines. That's what we want, isn't it? So that they can take care of us. That's right. But it's not necessarily what we need. There's a difference. Now, there are three principles we're going to talk about today. And the first one is this. When God guides, he always provides. In other words, if you and I are praying, if you and I are surrendered, if we're submissive, if we're turning to God, if we're trying to live our lives as faithful followers of him, then he's going to guide us. And when he guides us, we're just going to do what he says, and he's going to provide for us there. In Isaiah, it says this, The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. When everything around you is barren, God is going to make a way for you to prosper, to have your needs met when you're being led by him. But understand this, he doesn't just provide our dreams or our ambitions, but he does call us to follow his will. And when we walk in his will, then we're about his purpose and his provision. He'll always be there. Now, some of you might think, God, where are you? Have you ever done this? Lord, I got a mortgage payment that's due and a car payment. And I went ahead and planned that vacation, you know, that I didn't have the money for. And I'm still paying for Christmas in 2014. Anybody want to give a witness here today? And we're thinking, now, Lord, you got to work this out. He says, now, listen, you got to be a good steward of what I give you. You can't just be foolish with what you have. You've got to take care of it. I'll meet your needs, but not your wants. God's provision is not a get-out-of-jail-free card for poor financial decisions. Yeah, amen on that. In the Old Testament, there's a story of a man named Abraham and his wife, Sarah. More than anything, they wanted a child. In fact, his name was Abram. God changed his name to Abraham. 
What does Abraham mean? The father of many nations. Can you imagine being named Abraham? You meet somebody, what's your name? Abraham. The father of many nations. Wow, how many kids you got? I don't have any. You, you're not a young guy. You're an old man. Well, where'd you get that name? God gave it to me. Well, is he paying attention? I guess so. We'll see what happens, right? And that's what he did. And they prayed and they waited and they waited and they prayed. For decades they did this. You talk about faithful. And then they had that baby boy, Isaac. And you know their prayers were answered. Can you imagine waiting that long? Finally getting the child that you wanted. And then what does God say? Now, Abraham, I want you to take that baby I gave you, Isaac. I want you to take him up on the mountain, and I want you to sacrifice him to me. I want to know if you love me more than you love that boy. And, and you know, Isaac had been with his daddy, and he'd gone with him before, and he's carrying the wood up there, and he said, Daddy, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said, God will provide. In fact, he said, Abraham answered, the God himself will provide the lamb. You see the faith as they're going up the mountain there and he ties him down and he lifts the knife and an angel appears. He said, don't touch that child. Uh, now I know that you fear God and you love him more than anything else. You know, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to love God more than anyone or anything else because if we love something more than we love God, what's that called? That's an idol. We read in the Bible about idols all the time, but we think, well, I don't, I don't have any of those. <laughs> There's none of those in my house, right? But, you know, if you think about it and you're honest and you're sincere, you know, it's easy for us to have idols and not even realize it. You know, it's a thing that's so different for us to consider. In Genesis, Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket was a ram caught by its horns and he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son so Abraham called this place the Lord will provide now let me ask you a question do you think he remembered that story he came to church one Sunday somebody said anybody got a provision story they want to tell I got one <laughs> let me tell you what God did for me you won't believe what happened you know he's never going to forget that he's going to tell anybody who's listening and, and you know you, you're that way too if you've got a story to tell about how God provided for you then you want to tell it I know that God will provide for me it doesn't matter what we're struggling with sometimes we need to be fixed on God when we're fixed on the stuff that we think we lack. That's the truth. And you know, if you're fixed on God, you're satisfied. If you're always looking at the next thing and the thing you think you need and the thing you think you lack, you're never going to be satisfied, are you? And so you've got to come to a place where you have peace with God and you say, you know, God's my source. He's my provider and I just praise Him and thank Him for everything. And then your lens is always positive because you're looking at it from a different perspective. Abraham and, and Sarah, they wanted children. Laura and I wanted children. Years ago, we said, now, Lord, we'd like to have children. We were married several years. We didn't have kids. We spent money at the infertility specialist. We would write checks for $700, $500. We didn't have that kind of money. I'm a preacher. She's a teacher. But, you know, we were trying to have a baby, right? And, and, you know, it wasn't working out for us. And then out of the blue, we didn't say anything about it. Laura's Aunt Emma sent us $10,000 in January of 1989, just out of the blue. Now, she could have given us that money when we came out of graduate school, or she could have waited because she died later on that year, about September. She could have sent it to us then, but she said, I'm not going to wait till my toes curl up 
to give this to you. She wrote us a note. She said, I'm going to give it to you now where you can use it and where I can watch you use it. And you talk about take your shoes off your own holy ground. I mean, it floored us. I mean, we were just in awe, and we knew that God had done that. We, we couldn't explain it. So we said, hey, listen, what should we do? We've got some money now. We can pay our bills. Let's take a trip for spring break. Where would two people who want to have kids and are going through infertility, where would they go on spring break? Disney World? Really? We went to Disney World? Yeah, we did. We got there, and, and we went in one night, and we had dinner, and we came out. We went in a bookstore. In that bookstore, Laura loves books, and she was looking at books. And I found a little paperback book written by Walt Disney, autobiography. And I just took it off the shelf, and I started thumbing through and reading it. And I said, I'm going to buy this book. And I took it back to the hotel, and I laid in bed, and I read the whole thing that night. Now, listen, I wasn't prepared for all of the things that happened to Walt Disney. I mean, you talk about a guy that had a lot of bad things. He'd try something, it wouldn't work, and it would fail, and he'd just start all over again. He wore me out. I was on vacation. I said, I, I can't, this poor guy, give him a break, will you? And he just kept going. And then he said this. He said, you know, there was this one time when I got down and I was like, what in the world got Walt Disney? Damn, man, I got to read this. He said, my wife and I were having trouble having kids. I was laying in the bed reading the book. I went, you really are paying attention, aren't you? And sure enough, he was. Now, what they did, they adopted a girl and later on had a daughter as well. Two girls. We adopted two girls a little bit later on. Wasn't too much longer. After that, did that happen? And you know, when you custom order, you get what you want, right? So, so we were just grateful. We praised God for it. We were grateful. Some of y'all are catching that. It takes a little while. I'll just wait right here. You go ahead and enjoy yourself. So when God guides, he always provides. Now, second, God miraculously multiplies what is given. It's a miracle how he does that. Sometimes he says, I'm, I'm just going to save Jonah single-handedly. What? You're drowning? Okay, here's a fish. Get in. He's going to take you to the beach. You say, what? Yeah, that's what happened. Sometimes it's the Israelites out in the wilderness, and they're complaining, and he knows they need something to eat. And so what does he do? He just throws a Panera bread up in the sky, and they just drop bagels down, right? Is that the way it works? Okay, for those of you new to the faith, that's not exactly what happened. There was not a Panera bread, but, hey, bread did fall from heaven, didn't it? And the Israelites ate. Sometimes you want to build your faith, and so God uses you. What does he do? Miraculously, he multiplies what you give. This poor widow, she was just pouring that oil and pouring and pouring. When did the miracle take place when she started pouring? I mean, she could have stood there all day and says, what are you talking about? All I got is this. That's never going to work. And told him all the reasons why that, she didn't do that, did she? You know, we do that. We say, that, that, that can't work. We're just smarter than that, right? But she didn't do that. She just went ahead and did it. And then the loaves and the fish, how did they get multiplied? The little boy just gave his lunch. That's what happened. And then they said, okay, here we go. And Jesus started multiplying it then. Abraham, how are you going to be the father of many nations? Well, the first thing I've got to do, I, I've got to go and, and I'm going to intend to sacrifice my son, but God's going to stop me. And then he's going to use that because he's going to prepare me. 
Now, listen to this and, and hear me. I'm not talking about prosperity theology. You know, like if you give $100 today, you're going to go out in the parking lot and your 96 Corolla is going to be a Mercedes G-Wagon. That's just not going to happen, okay? What this is is the miracle of multiplication. God can take it and multiply it and bless it. Paul writes in Corinthians, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You see, if God just multiplied everything before we sowed it, before we gave it, it wouldn't take any faith, would it? But then we see how God blesses that and uses that. Have you ever had that happen? See, this all goes back to the tithe, and I want to talk about that for a minute. Some people believe that the tithe was a part of the Levitical law, and it was. But it really was before that. The first example was 400 years prior to that, before God was giving Moses the law. And then it was reaffirmed by Jesus in the New Testament. And very few things in our lives declare that God is our provider like honoring him with the tithe. What is it? Well, it's 10% of your income. It's not just any 10%. It's the first 10% of your income, isn't it? Because God always has to be first. You know, when I moved to Niceville, Florida, after three years at Middle Tennessee State, Three years at Middle Tennessee State, and I'd already had four different majors there. Aren't you impressed? And, and I told my accountant father that I was dropping out of school my senior year of college to move to Florida to see if God was calling me into the ministry. And he said, well, I think that's just great. Let's just see what happens with that because, you know, he's not big on change, okay? That's his greatest fear. And I go to Florida, but sure enough, that year, God, he, he shows me. I answer the call to the ministry. Preacher sells me his mother's Buick, no kidding. I moved into a house next door to the church. I had three jobs. I worked all the time. I made a whopping $700 a month. Yeah, I know. You're impressed. I can tell by looking. And, and there was a preacher in that church and a layman who taught me how to tithe. And they just explained how to move the decimal point over. And so I made $700 a month. And so I said, okay, $70 a month. That's what I'm going to give God. And that's what I did. I, I learned that when I was 21. I didn't know that before. Now, now, why did God ask Abraham for Isaac? Well, he, what was he going to do? Why would, why would God ask him to do that? Why would God say, give me Isaac? Because he wants to know who you're going to love, who you're going to trust, who's going to be first in your life. See, the whole concept of tithing is so that you and I might grow in our area of faith. We might grow in this area because when we give it to God first, then what it means is that we've got to trust him to supply our needs after that, right? And that's really all it's about. It's for us to grow in that area. God has a purpose for your life, and he wants to fulfill it. And every time you stretch and you grow in your faith, then it prepares you for that. Does God really need your 10%? Not at all. Not at all. But what he wants you to do is he wants you to know he's got a purpose for your life. Now, when you get to a place where you're putting God first in your life, let me tell you what happens. God is using all these little tests and these little experiences to grow your faith. Because God has a purpose for your life. And when he's growing your faith, what he wants to do is prepare you for the next thing he's going to ask you to do. 
you know, Lord, that's a pretty big thing there. And if you hadn't prepared me for that, I don't think I would step out on faith and do that. But because I've seen you work, because I've seen you provide, because I've seen you be faithful, I'm going to be obedient to you. And I'm going to do what I wouldn't have done a year ago or two years ago. I'm going to do it because you asked me to do it. And I know, I know that I can trust you. I know that I can count on you. See, God has a calling on your life. He's got a calling on your life. And there are things he wants you to do. But he's got to prepare you for your calling. And so those experiences that you have prepare you for what he wants to accomplish through you. And every story of need in the Bible, there is a miracle of provision. So we know that when God guides, he provides. And we know that God miraculously multiplies what's given. When you keep all you have, what happens? Well, nothing. You just have what you have. But what you give to God multiplies. Now, number three, you can be a part of God's miraculous provision. You can play a role in that. You may not be able to go on a mission trip, but you can give resources for folks to go on a mission trip, and they can go, and somebody can get saved on that mission trip, and you might be the reason that happened because you gave that scholarship to that one person who went and led somebody to Christ. You see how God can use you in that process? You might be the answer to somebody else's prayer. Isn't it a blessing? Isn't it a blessing when you can help somebody else? Isn't that a blessing when you can do something? You know, Lord, bless me so that I might have enough to share with others because that's really what he gives it to us for. That's what he tells us. He said, you'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. In other words, Lord, bless me so that I can be a blessing to others. Do you realize that God miraculously provides and you can be a part of the story? Now, there's a difference in fear and faith. Let me tell you about that, okay? Fear says, what if I run out, right? That's what we think. Faith says, well, what do I have to give? Fear says, I can't afford to tithe. But faith says, 90% with God's blessing goes farther than 100% without it. That makes sense, doesn't it? Fear says, I don't have enough. Faith says, my God has more than enough. He supplies my needs. And so you remember it, and you believe it, and you practice it. In Acts it says, and my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and his glory in Christ Jesus. And sometimes God will meet a need through you. Now, this past Thursday, I was doing my devotional, and there's several books I read when I have my quiet time. And one of them, I read The Upper Room and The Daily Bread, and I read the Bible, and I do read through the Bible in one year, and I have a little journal, and I do a guidepost thing, and I do Jesus Calling and Jesus Always. I, you know, you get the idea, right? Okay? So, so I'm doing that, and I, and I pick up, the, the daily bread or the upper room from Thursday. And this is what it said. John Kramer, a guy from Oklahoma, writes this. And he quotes Philippians 4.19. God will fully satisfy every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And then in the first person, he tells this story I'm going to share with you. 
He said, I grew up the son of a sharecropper in the late 1930s. Every evening we would sit down at the table and my dad would read scripture to us five kids. And he would talk a little about what it meant. And then mom would lead us in singing an old hymn before dad would say a prayer of thanksgiving and bless our food. One night after mom and dad read scripture and sang and we prayed together, we would have to get up and leave the table because mom didn't have any food to prepare. And that happened more than once. In those times, though, before we got up, dad would always say, now don't worry. God will not let us starve. He'll see to it that we are provided for. He said the next morning we'd go out on the back porch and there'd be all these bags and sacks of groceries. He said, we didn't know where it came from. None of us knew. But we knew that we could trust that scripture that we just read. He said, I was only four years old when that started happening. But I still remember those times and what God did for us. I'm a witness that when we trusted him, and we prayed and asked for help. He took care of us. Philippians encourages us not to worry about anything, but to pray about everything. And 2 Corinthians says, God's power is the strongest when I am the weakest. It's in those times when we don't have a plan B. It's in those times when we don't have an answer. We don't know where to get an answer. All we know is that God is our source. And we're going to turn to Him. And we're going to trust Him. And we're going to believe in Him. And we're going to try to be faithful and obedient to Him. And if He calls us to do something, we're going to try to do it. And He's going to call us to be good stewards. And you know, the best stewards are people who tithe. Because people who tithe are paying attention to their budget. You ask anybody who ties, they'll tell you, it made me a better steward when I started doing that than before. And once I did that, it helped me to trust God more. And when we do that, we just trust Him and believe. And there are going to be tough times. The Great Depression came, and it was real, wasn't it? And there were nights when they didn't have anything to eat, but God didn't let them starve. And you think that really... Four years old, that, that person's still talking about it today. I, I still remember what God did. Hey, I've got a testimony. Like Abraham, let me tell you what he did for me, right? Like that lady with the oil. Hey, let me tell you what happened. Here's what happened. Hey, one time I was there at the lake, and there were thousands of people, and Jesus just multiplied, and there was more than we could possibly ever need or want. It was amazing. It was a miracle. I've seen that. I can see God do anything after that, can't I? God, I thank you. I thank you that you're so good. I thank you that you don't give us what we deserve, but you give us grace and mercy. I thank you that you let us play a small role, just like a little child helping you could do it without us, but, but you let us participate. Lord, I pray that when you do that, that our faith would grow and that you might bless us in order that we might have something to share, to give to those around us in need. You teach us to do that. We teach our children to do that. 
the best way to teach them is by example. And so we pray, Lord, that we would be your stewards, your people, that we'd be faithful and obedient, that we would do what you call us to do, that as you prepare us to step out on faith, we would take the next step. We may not know the details, but we know you, <laughs> and you know the details. And so we trust you, and we thank you, and we give you the glory for what you do in us, but not just in us, in so many others, because you give us a front row seat to watch you work. And we'll celebrate that in Jesus' name.